0: Today, we're thrilled to have our first repeat guest rejoin us. I'd like to give a very, very warm welcome to Dan Averill, Senior Senior Fisheries Manager at MSC. As some of you may remember, Dan spoke to us on a previous podcast, both about the incredible work that MSC does and sustainable seafood. Dan has been an integral part of the MSC team for over 15 years, managing their fishery outreach activities and programs. Thank you for joining us again, Dan.
1: Well, I'm happy to be here, Catherine. Thanks for having me.
0: I love having you here. Thank you for coming back. As I mentioned, the last time you were on, we tackled the topic of sustainable fishing. And today we're gonna piggyback on that topic a little bit and delve into the issue of illegal and destructive overfishing. Illegal fishing and overfishing are serious global problems that many people may not have thought about before. And we're hoping by discussing them in this podcast and by promoting it on June 5th as International Day for the Fight Against Illegal, Unreported, and Unregulated Fishing, we can shed some light on the subject. For a little background, according to the UN Food and Agriculture Organization, illegal, unreported, and unregulated fishing activities are responsible for the loss of 11 to 26 million tons of fish each year which is estimated to have an economic value of between 10 to 23 billion U.S. dollars. It is estimated that one in every five fish caught comes from illegal fishing. With numbers like that, it's no surprise that these fish may end up on our plates in our homes, and we unwillingly are an un- un- accomplices to this illegal practice. So let's start by breaking this all down for our audience because it's a, it's a lot to digest. Dan, can you help us and explain exactly what is overfishing and why is it something that we should be aware of and even be concerned about?
1: Sure thing. Yes. So, uh, overfishing, in a you know commercial fishing um, perspective, is when the fishing rate is higher than the rate at which uh, individuals or adults can uh, can reproduce and repopulate. Um, that basically is when there when too many fish are being caught and there are not enough adults to breed and, and you know perpetuate future populations. That's essentially what overfishing uh, is, um, and it's a serious global problem as we all know. It threatens ocean wildlife. It threatens uh, you know the livelihoods that people have uh, in coastal communities that depend on healthy fisheries, uh, and the seafood that, that come from those fisheries. Of course, can be jeopardized. So when, when, a, when a fish stock, um, that's a managed area of fish or a managed population of fish, when that stock becomes overfished, it is unsustainable. Um, and this can cause ecosystems to collapse you know, with negative consequences. Um, and fishing that is unsustainable, illegal or destructive can impact seriously the biodiversity. Um, and so not overfishing, not only affects the fish that are targeted for harvesting, but also other marine life that may get caught up in fishing activities, uh, during practices in, in the early 1990s, uh, the impact of overfishing really hit the the international lens in a big way. Uh, the 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 Atlantic cod stocks, the the famous fisheries off the Grand Banks of Canada, North Atlantic Canada, um, collapsed in 1992, and that threw you know twenty to thirty, even more thousand uh, fishers and community members uh, into just turmoil because you lost the fishery, you lost jobs, and the coastal communities really. Were impacted in a in a tremendous way. the The collapse of that fishery in the in the early '90s really was one of the catalysts uh, for creating the program that I work for, the Marine Stewardship Council. Um, the fishery standard was developed in that mid '90 time period um, to to assure that that uh, a fishery could be. Assess to an internationally recognized standard and if you meet that standard then you are operating sustainably so really that that cod collapse i just mentioned was the catalyst for for the creation of our program
0: ah that well hopefully that makes sense to people and 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 hopefully they start to understand that it's something that you know we should be concerned about and it happens on a global level so in continuing yes. the conversation can you explain to us what's the difference between illegal fishing and overfishing?
1: Sure, sure. So, uh, overfishing and, and illegal fishing really are are not quite the same. Overfishing, I, I as I mentioned, you know, when you're fishing too much and not allowing the fish populations to reproduce and and have future populations that you can fish. Um, overfishing is really a function of when when fishery managers or governments or politicians or industry they they fail to uh they fail to abide by the catch limits that have been established by the scientists they say the scientists you know do all of their work behind the scenes and look at how many fish cuz you can't count fish underwater it's not like you know you can count trees you have to you have to do some modeling and it's pretty scientific to figure out just how many fish are in an area that can support um, you know, some commercial fishermen going out there and catching fish. Uh, so, if overfishing can happen when the governments and politicians and managers and industries fail to abide by those rules that are set, illegal fishing, uh, uh, on the other hand, that can mean anything from individuals fishing in closed areas that have been closed off to protect um, other critters or a fishery resource. Um, it can also be a situation where they're fishing without licenses or permits. Um, they're using a gear type that sh- that's not allowed, um, or they're fishing on 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 populations that are endangered or threatened. Uh, so so that's that's really one of the main differences. And our our program, we're acutely aware of of these of these issues, and especially the damaging impacts of the concept that you introduced in your introduction, which is the illegal unreported and unregulated fishing which we the acronym is IUU so i'll use that from here forth uh, <laughs> so that can have just really negative impacts on marine life and the ocean health in general and the livelihoods of of those fishing legitimately it's a complicated topic um you you you, you want a situation where uh you know IUU can be a, can be a criminal activity uh and so that's it, and it's operating sometimes in the high seas, which is areas that aren't really visible to a lot of folks. Um, so it just becomes very, very complicated. And it can take place without the, without concern for the environment or any of regulations for neighboring countries, for example. Um, so those are some of the, those are some of the points I wanted to make about the illegal fishing and the difference between uh, overfishing.
0: So if I'm understanding it correctly, Overfishing kind of is based on regulations or lack thereof, whereas illegal fishing is more based on people doing things without government consent. Does that does that sound right?
1: Yes, yes. So overfishing is where you know the the fishing activities don't take into account the the management, you know, with the rules that they set. They they just do that. You know, they they overfish essentially. Illegal has to do with you know these. These folks that engage in illegal activities are using. They may be using explosives. They might be using poisons. They might be fishing on endangered stocks. They just—it's kind of the wild west. They just don't care.
0: Right. Well, I, you kind of touched on what my next point is going to be because I'm going to add another term to the mix that I found out there, and that is destructive fishing. Mm-hmm. So we've defined we've defined overfishing, I think, and we've defined illegal fishing. What exactly is destructive fishing?
1: Well, it's just, just as the name implies, honestly, Catherine, it's, it's, these are practices that include dynamite, you know, explosives, literally, Um, they can include poison, cyanide, for example. Um, These methods are, you know, very damaging to, to the marine environment. They could be, you know, if you throw explosives into a mangrove environment or into a reef, I mean, the impact that you're going to have, not just on the, the critters living in the water, but also those living on the bottom habitat, and the the other other animals living on the benthic on the bottom of the of the ocean. That's that's a problem. Um, it can just be bad in every respect. So those those are some of the destructive fishing practices, and these are not allowed in the M S E program. They are expressly forbidden, uh, and they are ineligible for certification. Um, so, but I should say that. I'll, Fishing practices in all gears can have some impact. I mean, it's not like you're just—it's clean 100% of the time. It's, you know, all gears can have some impact on the environment. It's just making sure that you're minimizing the impact of your of your gear on the environment, and that you have good uh, data to set your 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 catch limits. You have enforcement, uh, and that you have. Um, you have uh, all the other all the other factors that you need to ensure uh, a sustainable fishery. So destructive fishing doesn't fit any of that.
0: <laughs> Most definitely not. So kind of going kind of continuing the thought because I always like to to think of things positively and not look at you know gloom and doom. I know MSC is doing a lot of things to help alleviate all three of these practices. Can you can you talk a little bit and give us some insight into the programs that are out there that are trying to regulate all of these things so that we can not essentially, you know, kill our environment and 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 kill our, all our livestock that's out there?
1: Sure. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of good groups doing great work globally on ensuring that that fishing is conducted in a sustainable manner that, um, you, you minimize, uh, impacts from IEU fishing, uh, you, you f- identify and flag those vessels that are bad players. Um, they range from of course our organization, which has a fishing, a fishery standard and a chain of custody standard, which shows, you know, our partners and our, and our, and our, and, and, and seafood consumers that, you know, by getting certified, you're meeting and, and you're not supporting those fisheries that are that are uh, that are that are enacting those activities. But there are also you know governments that are working out. There's regional fishery management organizations. So these are big groups, multinational that get together and they manage those uh, those fisheries and species like tunas in the high seas. To to make sure that they are um, they are fishing at a rate that's not going to cause overfishing, and if they are overfishing, that they're doing something to turn that trend around. Um, there are lots of NGOs, uh, environmental NGOs, that are working in this space as well. But but you know, like like I mentioned, you know, ensuring that seafood is not sourced from fisheries that are involved in IUU is is very complex. Um, and to ensure that seafood is not coming from those fisheries, you need a couple of things. You need, as I've mentioned, um, fisheries that are complying with the laws of the land or the sea in this in this in this respect, uh, and that there's good management. And then, secondly, if you have seafood coming from a region, to make sure that it's traceable, you know that the supply chain is traceable and that's not mixed with other. Seafood coming from a potential region of IUU or something like that. So those are those are important. Those are important things to to uh, to understand.
0: Well, I'm going to I'm going to kind of I'm going to force you a little bit (laughs) to talk about something that we did discuss in our previous podcast, but I think it's I think it's relevant here because you have touched on chain of custody. And I want, if you can briefly describe to people what that is, like I said, I know we did that in our previous podcast, but for the people that may not have listened to it, can you just briefly describe what that is?
1: Sure. So that's one of the two standards that MSC maintains. Um, the fishery standard is everything in the water, assessing the fishery and the and the, and the the status of the population, make sure it's healthy, basically. It's not being overfished. Uh, the chain of custody standard has to do with um, assessing the supply chain. So once that fish or or shellfish, oyster, whatever it might be, hits the land or the shore, in this case, uh, the links in the supply chain are independently audited to assure that the end product that you as a customer are buying uh, can be traced back to a sustainable source. And that's our chain of custody standard. And the, the our chain of custody standards can help to stop IUU seafood from entering a legal marketplace. It it can assure, it does assure seafood buyers that MSC certified fish and seafood products are identified and separated um, throughout the supply chain. And so businesses that are selling seafood products to to customers can, can feel confident that the products that they're selling come from a source that is sustainable and is not IUU.
0: Perfect. That. Thank you for that explanation. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I wanted to bring out in this podcast is I, in addition to people realizing that these type of practices harm the environment and our food source, there's also an economic impact to the communities that l- rely on fishing to sustain their livelihoods. And you talked about that a little bit at the beginning, but I want to delve into that a little bit more so that maybe you can explain to people how these how these illegal practices not only are harming the environment, but also harming the economics of the communities that, that are around them.
1: Yeah, it's it's it is a big it is a, a big problem, Mike, right, Catherine. That's a good question. So if you have illegal uh practices or if a, if a fish stock is overfished, um, a community that depends on economic income from that fishery it's cut off that can have a direct impact on supporting livelihoods and all the other businesses that are built on that fishery so for example um, you might have grocery stores that are that sell the goods to the fleets that go out and fish they no longer have any customers to buy that right They're, they're not able to go out and fish because there is no fishery because it's been closed or the season has been shortened, or whatever it might be. Um, Ice, fuel, um, hotels, all of these ancillary businesses or associated businesses in communities can be impacted. And that can cause just a negative economic return. And so that's the impact on communities and the impacts on livelihoods. You know, throughout the globe, you have a lot of communities that are dependent on seafood for their primary source of protein. So it's super important to have um, healthy populations of fish. And so it, it, it can be difficult because you have a lot of populate, a lot of communities that may not have the rigorous fishery management or oversight or enforcement that we enjoy here in, uh, in North America and other regions. Um, but they still need to fish in other parts of the globe they still need to sell their product to be able to support their families and so if you take that away if a fishery if a if a fish stock is overfished and and is shut down or is no longer there even in the absence of management uh, that can impact you know like i mentioned all these different ripple effects throughout the community
0: right i And that's one of the things I really want to drive home. Not only is it economic, but it's environmental. It's both of those things together. Yes. So Dan, I want to, I want to thank you again for coming on and you know, I know your time is precious. So I'm going to start to, to wrap this up. I wanted, are there any resources or places that you could recommend people go and find out some more information? Cause I think you know, we've kind of touched we've touched the tip of the iceberg here and, and, and hopefully it sparks some interest and and even just concern is on the subject. So are there any places that you'd like to point our audience members into to go look at some information?
1: Sure. I I I think our our website is honestly a very 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 good resource. We have a ton of material on there and it's it's a lot better than it used to be. You can navigate it in, a, in an easy way. Uh good drop down menu so it has you know subjects of interest if you're interested in this particular issue overfishing or IUU there are a lot of, there's a drop down menu with a lot of links. Um, and so that's a really good start. And we have in our organization we have some really smart people who do uh, research and publish uh, the findings in the peer-reviewed literature. So that means in the scientific journals, um, and, and and they look at the MSE, they look at other programs, they look at um, at impacts from from IUU, for example. That. These are some documents. These are some publications that we have. So the MSC website is a really good place to start. Uh, So I would point people there first.
0: Okay, perfect. I I love that. And again, you know, we're doing this in conjunction with the International Day for Illegal and Overfishing on June 5th. So hopefully that'll prompt people to get some more information. But again, Dan, I want to thank you for taking time out to talk to us. I always enjoy talking to you because your depth and breadth of knowledge on this topic. And and I can always tell that it's something that you genuinely care about. It's not just, you know, you're not just checking a box and your passion on aquaculture and, you know, just preserving our resources for future generations, honestly, is, is inspirational and it's, and it's infectious. So I'd like to thank you for taking the time out to talk to us. And is there anything else that you would like to say before we wrap up?
1: Well, thanks for having me, Catherine. I I really appreciate uh, the time and that you make for me because it's it's good to talk to folks and 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 cover all these issues because it it is important. Um, you know, for for folks to have an understanding. And I think if you're a customer and you like to eat seafood, whether it's a a fish fillet or a um, if you like oysters or whatever it might be. Next time you're at the at the grocery store and there's a fresh fish case, just strike up a conversation with the person selling fish and ask them, ask them some questions. Say, "Hey, where do you get your fish? Where do you get your shellfish? When did it come in? Where is it from?" Just be curious, um, and that will have a, a compounding effect on them to say, "Ah, customers actually do ask questions and they do care. They don't are just not mindless people walking through and filling their basket." Um, so I always invite people to be curious when they're shopping.
0: I think that's a great point to end this on. You know, that's, that's ultimately what we want to spark. We want to spark that question and curiosity so that people can get more educated on everything, quite honestly. Yeah. So thank you again, Dan. I have a feeling that we may do a part three at some point in the future. So I look forward to doing part three with you.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Thanks, Catherine. Bye dear bye